Thank you, John. What we're going to do today a little bit differently than we usually do, and we're, we're going to uh, pray together, which isn't a bad idea, I think. Um, but I thought I'd tell you why it is we're going to pray together. Um, and so hopefully this will be a nice chill experience for you. And what I believe will happen, because this is what happens in prayer, is we will meet Jesus together. Um, you know, let's pray together. Why do we do that? It's because it's what we do. I'm not going to go through all those passages, but those are just passages just in the book of Acts that tells us what the behavior of the church is just normally like. You know what we do? We pray together. This is what we do. And so it just makes sense that as we start this year, we, we just be ourselves. Make sense? The other thing is this prayer is what leads to stuff that matters. Have you ever heard um, that, that metaphor, that analogy about you know, climbing up the ladder of life? Uh, none of us wants to get to the top of that ladder at the end of our life and realize we leaned it against the wrong wall. Have you ever heard that before? And, and one of the things that happens in our culture, and it's not just our culture, it goes back to the Garden of Eden, the Tower of Babel, is this lie that we believe we can make something of ourselves, that we can make something of our lives. And so if, if we could just get it together this year, like I, 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 want, I saw one comic saying, isn't it true that you watch the Olympics and you kind of look at it and say, this year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my body together to be... I bet I can swim as fast as that guy, right? You know, in our board shorts or whatever. It's just not true. The only way to know we're, we're, we're doing the right stuff is to shift away from what am I going to do this year to who am I going to follow. Does that make sense? Shifting away from what am I going to do this year to who am I going to follow. And the way we know how to follow the one who knows what's going on is by praying. And, and I just wanted to show you a few things. And just as this is the book of Acts. Acts 1.14, this is how it all started. This is our family history. This is how what we're enjoying today started. Jesus said, guys, hang out in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit's going to come. And it said, what did they do? They were all with one nine, continually devoting themselves to prayer. What was the result? So then by... The end of that prayer meeting, which involved this, 3,000 souls responding to the Spirit's presence because God's people were obeying Jesus and praying. We see Acts 2.42, that that new church that was continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer, continuing with one mind to the temple. What do you do when you go to the temple? You pray. Breaking bread from house to house, taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. And what was happening? The Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is stuff that actually matters, right? The other people's eternal destinies are shifted. Acts 3, Peter and John, out of habit, daily habit, were going up to the temple at the ninth hour. What was that hour? The hour of prayer. What happens? On their way, they end up meeting a guy who asks for money. Instead, Jesus heals him. And as a result of that, 
Many of those who heard the message that they shared believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000, 2,000 more, almost doubled a number, an, another day going to pray. The disciples get threatened, say, stop teaching about Jesus. We're going to do something bad to you. And so what did they do? They all get together, they hear this, and they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, and they prayed. And by the end of their prayer in Acts 4, it said, when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Did you know you can't buster your own boldness or your own... In, it, you know how weak our intentions and our willpower is? The will is very weak. It's just very normal. But the Spirit, the Spirit of God, who we encounter in prayer, gives us power that we don't have on our own. The disciples, there's some disputes going on about who's getting food within the church. And they say, well, let's assign some people to take care of that because we're going to devote ourselves to prayer, and to ministry of the word. What was the result? It says, after those people were appointed, it said the word of God kept on spreading. The number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were become obedient to the faith. Acts 12.5, Peter gets thrown into prison for talking about Jesus. Not so good. So what did the church do? Prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. In fact, there was a prayer meeting going on at someone's house. And then they had a pretty cool answer to prayer. Peter actually shows up at the house because he was miraculously released from the prison by an angel. In fact, was so surprising to those who were praying, they thought it wasn't actually Peter. Doesn't it make you feel good that the early church didn't believe their prayers would be answered either? And Peter described to them how the Lord led him out of prison. He said, report these two things to James and the brethren. Then he left and went to another place. And what happened? The word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied. Acts 13.2. It's the church in Antioch, Syria. It says, while they are ministering, this is some leaders in the church. While they are ministering to the Lord and fasting. They're in the presence of the Lord, praying, fasting, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Because of that prayer meeting and them responding to that, you and I are following Jesus. That was the first time, the first mission to the Gentiles. First missionary trip. Because of this moment in prayer. They, they fasted, prayed, laid their hands on them, sent them away by the Holy Spirit. So why do we pray? It's because it's what we do. And prayer is what leads to stuff that matters. I put those references there so the slides will be online if you want to look at that stuff. I remember Eugene Peterson, guy who translated the message and pastored for 30 years. He wouldn't, um, when he got invited to pray over meals and stuff, like at events, he wouldn't do it anymore. He said, I'm not going to trivialize prayer. It's too important. And that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to do that, but I thought, he thought this is such a big deal. We're going to the presence of the living God, the God who appeared like fire and lightning and thunder on the mountain of Sinai, who shocked Isaiah, you know, and the train of his robe filled the temple, who Ezekiel was blown away, you know, and then comes in this little, as this little baby that then becomes, 
Jesus, who then dies, rises again, and then John sees the risen Jesus, whose face is so bright it makes John pass out. That's who we're going into the presence to engage in prayer. So that's why we want to start the year in prayer. What, what's, what's, what are we going to do this week, this year? Where's it going to go? I have no idea. And that's why we pray. It's, it's because we're not trying to find out what we're going to do. We're going to find out who we're going to follow. Make sense? Because he's a lot of fun. He leads on adventures. He takes me places I never wanted to go. <laughs> they were way harder than I thought they would be. But the results were way better than I ever expected. He's a lot more boring sometimes than I am. Why? Because he knows I'm overstimulated. And I can't hear him because I got so much going on in my head, right? So we're going to pray today using an acronym that we've used before. We use it a lot in staff. We've done it with the, in this context. P-R-A-Y, easy to remember, we'll pause we're going to rejoice, we're going to ask God of things, and then we're going to yield. Um, it's just loosely based on the Lord's Prayer, which all of us hopefully are familiar with. If you're not, this is when uh, Jesus was on the Sermon on the Mount, and also we see it in the book of Luke. His disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. We see you praying, we see you conversing, and you call God your Father, and you seem to know what's going on, and know what to do all the time, and you seem to be pretty secure even when people are not nice to you. How do you pray? And so he said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And so I'm going to basically walk us through each one of these little phases pieces here. So there's two things going to happen today. One is we're going to pray. Second one is you're going to gain a tool if you haven't done this before. This is a really easy way to pray. You can all of a sudden, after today, lead a prayer meeting all on your own. Because I've done this so many times and it works super well. Ready? We're going to do it anyway. So, we're going to pause. Pause really actually starts before the prayer. We see these, these are the words that Jesus said just before he gives us the prayer we read. He's talking about getting into prayer. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand praying in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So a couple of things we get a notice here about this pause of being settled in to being in the presence of God and praying. The first is don't be like the hypocrites. Here's what I think Jesus is meaning. We don't have to perform in prayer. A hypocrite's what? Somebody who acts like one way on the outside, but somebody different on the inside. Jesus wants us to bring our messy selves to him. Most of the time when I come to Jesus, I'm coming to prayer with a self that doesn't want to pray. 
Anybody relate? <laughs> I, I've got so many things I've got to get done. I'm, ah. I'm bringing that self to Jesus. That's, that's who I actually am. I don't want to be somebody else, and I don't have to be somebody else. I had a professor once who said, beware of people who change their voice when they pray. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Do not keep on babbling like the pagans who think they'll be heard because of their many words. Isn't that... Interesting. You ever feel like you have to have the perfect prayer and say it just right, just the right words, and then the magic thing will happen? And Jesus said, don't do that. Relax, man. And why? Because your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Something is happening when we pray that it's not about saying the right words. It's about the posture we bring to Him of letting go and saying that you're God and I'm not. And so we're going to pause right now. We're going to do something extremely radical. We're going to sit still. Okay? And it's okay. I know there's probably some kids in the, in the room. I'll bring this forward. I know we've got people online that are doing this at home as well. Get quiet. Now, let me suggest this may feel like your life is ending. But what if you turned your phone off? Or maybe just muted it. <laughs> Quiet's not our best thing, right? We struggle with that in our culture. And what we're going to do now is focus on God. How do we do that? There's a lot of different ways you can do that. But maybe just imagine in your mind your favorite picture of Jesus. Or maybe one of those things I just talked about. Imagine being Isaiah looking in the throne room of God. The Caribbean are there. I don't know. But we're going to be really crazy and be absolutely silent for two solid minutes. And nothing, don't wait for it. Nothing's going to happen at all. We're just going to be quiet. And we're just going to let the Lord calm us down. So I'm actually timing it so I don't cheat. And let's go ahead and start.
Holy God, we come to you in the merit of Jesus. Father, we come based on your mercy expressed to us in Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection. We thank you that you say that Jesus is not only the sacrifice for our sins to make us clean, but he's our high priest who leads us before the Father. And you said that we come with great boldness and joy. In Ephesians 3, you say that we have something called parhesia. It's the ability to speak frankly and openly with God, like children bursting in to the living room with Dad. So here we are, Lord. Here we are. Now for some of y'all, you may just want to stay here the rest of the day. And if that's where God's meeting you, do that. Just in that silence. Sometimes I find there's a special grace God gives us to just stay there. And so do it. He wants to meet us. I think it was Blaise Pascal said that the root of all human problems is the inability to sit alone in a room with your own thoughts. So if you can find the Holy Spirit calming you and even stuff coming up the Lord wants to address. Oh, he just is so delighted for this opportunity to do that with us. You can do that as we're going to shift into what we say is our rejoice movement here. And where we see that in Jesus' prayer, he says, start in the actual praying, the actual words we use with our Father in heaven. Jesus is speaking to people who know of every vision of God in the Old Testament. They know about God showing up in Mount Sinai. They know about God showing up in Ezekiel's vision. They know about the fire coming out of the tabernacle and consuming stuff. They know about fire coming from the sky and, and eating up stuff on Elijah's altar they know about Ezekiel's vision of the chariot of God and this flaming one coming. And Jesus said, in light of all that, start your prayer with this. Our Father. We're dressing God himself, but Jesus says this is the way to come in. A dad who loves you. In case father's an obstacle for you, odds are it's an obstacle for every person in the room. Because none of us had a perfect father. Even if you had a really good one, it wasn't Jesus. But can you imagine a father who already knows what you need before you ask and is delighted to know you? He's delighted. He's inutterably strong, but tender. Kind. It says in Titus 3 that all of us were fools driven by our desires. It says hating and being hated. 
And here's where God went with that. He said, but when the kindness and love of our God appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of anything we could do right, but because of his mercy. We have a merciful father whose baseline approach to us is mercy, acceptance through the blood of Jesus. So that's what we do when we rejoice. We think about the character of God, our father. We say, hallowed be your name. What that, that's a way of saying is we want to treat your reputation. Name has to do with your character, your reputation, what you're actually, actually like, what we know about you. We want to treat it in such a way that we recognize how incredible it is. Hallowed, holy. We want to treat as holy your name. And so in this rejoice piece, this first thing, let's do that. Let's just think about God's character for a minute. Sometimes it even helps me to say it out loud. God, I thank you that you start in mercy. So if you feel comfortable doing that, just say it out loud. You don't, you don't need to. Think about what God is like. sprinkle in with that think about God's character one of the ways we can actually say is it really true that God is all these things is think of evidence of God's kindness to you in your life of actual gratitude we can say to God actual gratitude I was walking down the hallway this morning with a friend of mine Vic talking about family I've got some people who still want to say hi to me able to spend some time with this last week. Thank you, God. I didn't choose to be born here. I didn't make them. But here we are. Let's think about concrete moments of gratitude we can have to the Lord now.
you know, Sam's going to, Sam and Shelly are going to help us now just to, again, this gratitude, rejoicing, reflecting on who God is. The reason we do this, first of all, is Jesus showed us this, but prayer is mostly about God, and we occupy a small percentage of this thing. It's majority of it's about Him. So let's go ahead, if you'd like to stand, if you want to sit, if you want to walk around. Again, just imagine this is family in the living room. Prayer together. We're going to worship our Lord together. Lead us, guys, for a minute.
So we're going to shift into asking now, being guided by Jesus' prayer, the same spirit. So this is now our hearts are starting to be in a posture where we can know what God's saying to us and know what we can ask. First thing Jesus says, say to the Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God, the rule of God, is God's beautiful ordering of the world. And it starts with us. It's his beautiful ordering of us. And the only way to that is to submit to him as our king, the king of the kingdom, that he is running the show. So the first way to ask the Lord for his kingdom to come is to relinquish any place we're demanding to be in control. So let's just take a moment and let the Lord search our hearts. It's scary to relinquish control, but it's only scary when we don't understand his goodness and his character, which we've just been singing about, we've just been reflecting on. So let's ask the Lord, Lord, is there anywhere I need to relinquish control to your rule and your kingdom? Maybe it's setting my goals to make myself something amazing this year. And the attendant shame from previous years that it didn't work out. God doesn't play anywhere in that. We, it's his kingdom that we get to live in, his building of us. So let's just take a moment, ask the Lord and relinquish control. encourage you of any of these things you don't have to belabor or go looking in the nooks and crannies of your soul the Lord's usually pretty good about letting us know and then just making quick work of it oh Lord I relinquish control over my finances I relinquish control over who my children become now let's think is there anywhere in our lives whether it's in us in our relationships or in the world around us, 
that we don't see God's beautiful order, the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And of course, we could, we could go really deep and far on this, but what I invite you to do is just ask the Lord to bring to mind what, what's not in His order in our life, and then pray, God, will you bring your kingdom to that very thing? Does that make sense? So just take a moment. Lord, what's not under your order? Maybe there's something that's so obvious to you. It's causing you pain right now. And you can just say, God, your kingdom come. Not even my best solutions, but your kingdom come. Your will be done. Let's do that now. Continue with asking, where Jesus continues this. He says, Ask God, give us today our daily bread. For the listeners, they're remembering back to Israel in the wilderness that they have no money, no ability to plant gardens. They're nomads, and God gives them bread from the sky day by day by day what do we need today I also ask God what do I need to do today for what you're doing tomorrow I think that's a legal prayer <laughs> but no request is too small let's ask him what do we need today
Here we're going to shift into the yielding, but not again, if you're still asking, if you're any place of this, just you and Jesus, just enjoy yourself. Be with him. Just follow, follow the trail the Holy Spirit's taking you on. This is the, something beautiful about the prayer he gave us to pray, which is why we're going through the whole thing here, is, is this yield moment. The first one I want to note, and I don't know why I forgot to underline this, is verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Jesus actually, after this prayer, says, Guys, forgive because if you refuse to do that, your Father in Heaven won't forgive you either. That's, that's hard to hear, isn't it? But it's actually conditional. That's hard to hear, isn't it? But when, when Jesus is saying we've got to forgive others, He's not saying you have to rid yourself of all negative emotions and make everything right. He's saying can you relinquish the outcome of that person's life in this relationship to me that you no longer need to be in charge he understands the injustice he weeps with the hurt that's been done to you but he also offers unlimited forgiveness for us that we do not deserve and he asks in fact requires that we do the same for those who have offended us I actually been feeling this since our worship moment that there's some of us, this is a critical moment. In fact, we couldn't quite get there in worship and even asking because of some forgiveness stuff. Don't hear condemnation, hear an invitation to freedom. When we hold unforgiveness, we're the ones who are in bondage, not the other person. We're the ones who are stuck. So we're going to take a little time with this to first say, Lord, is there anyone I need to forgive and I need your help to do it? So let's just, if you'd be so bold as to ask him. Don't just jump to it. He knows our hearts better than we do. There might be someone you think, and he might say, I'm not too worried about that, but this relationship. So let's boldly ask him, Lord, is there anyone that I need to forgive? Forgiveness is not saying what the other person did was right. It's not it at all. It's saying, I'm relinquishing judgment and control to you, God.
just a minute. God's doing some deep stuff right now. Again, you don't have to fix your emotions. Just it's okay. Whatever you're, whatever you're feeling, he's meeting you there right now. And let's go ahead now and receive his forgiveness for anything. There, there is no reason a single person in this room should walk away with any sense of shame, fear, less than, because. God offers complete forgiveness through Jesus' blood. So let's ask the Lord. This is, again, the joy time. Is there anything you want to release me, forgive me of? For some of us, it may be less obvious. I mean, the Lord is just freeing me of how judgmental I can be without even knowing it. I'm joyfully repenting because my life is getting easier. It's a lot of work being God and judging everything that's going on. So, Lord, what do you want to forgive me of today? Let's ask him. We're just going to stay in this. I just want to pray. I just sense the delight of God over you. So, Father, be by the Holy Spirit now. Just let your delight come on us. Let hearts that have struggled and been confused to even know how to receive your delight, your forgiveness, and your joy, your complete acceptance. Let your delight dance over us now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Your delight of your people. Your delight in your temple. Your people. You're so pleased to be here. The delight of God. The delight of God. The delight of Jesus over his bride. The delight of Jesus. The delight of Jesus in his bride. The delight of Jesus in his bride. The delight of Jesus and his bride. Receive it. Receive his delight in you. Oh, thank you, Lord. 
declare your freedom, total freedom, 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 freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit, not our own power, not our own willpower, freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit, the blood of Jesus Christ, I declare the blood of Jesus Christ over every one of us for freedom, 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 the delight the delight of our Father. going to continue with this yield of Jesus invitation, this phrase that can be confusing, lead us not into temptation. God doesn't ever lead us into sin. This is a kind of a rhetorical way of saying, protect me from sin. Sin's what screws us up. It's just, it's what screws us up. The joy is he forgives, he forgives, he forgives. How cool is it? We just received his forgiveness. And the only way we keep from falling in the same ditch is by asking for his help. Does that make sense? One of the mistakes I've made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times is, now I'm forgiven, I better keep my nose clean from here on out. I know, prayer is about becoming more and more dependent. Lead me, keep me from sin, keep me from the temptations, keep me from the stuff that I'm just not strong enough for. Rescue me from temptation, Lord. So let's just ask the Lord that. Some of us, we know there's some temptations that are cyclical and chronic. Some of us just opening your phone after 11 o'clock at night. It's just a temptation that is just too strong. Lord, help me. I need your help. I'm going to ask you before I'm in the middle of it, will you help me with this temptation? Because sin just messes things up. It's just, and we're the ones that get hurt by it, as well as other people. So let's ask the Lord right now. Maybe you can ask him, what temptations do you want me to lead me out of? but deliver us from the evil one. Some of your translations say deliver us from evil. 
be translated evil or evil one, kind of irrelevant, that there is a world that we cannot see. We see the results of it. That there are beings on this earth that are against every human, in particular the people of God, that don't want the best for us. And God is not asking us to bow up and be a hero. He's saying, come to me and I will deliver you. You know the scripture in James, it says, run to God and the devil will flee. Run to God and the devil will flee. So we've asked the Lord to help with temptations. Is there somewhere we're sensing influence of evil, whether it's in ourselves, in the world, around us, that we can say right now, God, will you deliver me? Maybe it's a situation. Maybe it's, maybe it's someone far from God in your life. You're praying for them to meet Jesus. Let's pray now, God, deliver us. You're the only rescue. And you rescue thoroughly and completely. So come and rescue us. Maybe that's broader than just your life. But come and rescue us from evil. Let's pray that. this phrase, it's not in every one of your scriptures, it's in later manuscripts, but it's a good one. The church has been saying for years, yours is the kingdom. God, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We start with God and we end with God. How many of you guys have started in prayer with God and ended with you? Now I got to go do this thing. Starts with God and ends with God. And we're in the sandwich where we're carried along with all the activity he's doing in, around, and through us. I love how the message translation translates this very verse. God, you're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Let's say out loud together that very phrase. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to sing a song that has this kind of relinquishment moment that Sam's going to lead us. Some of you might be familiar with this, some not. If you're not familiar with it, just enter into the words and say, if you can, as you hear them, say yes to them. (laughs) 
And if you know it, sing along. Uh, feel free to stand or sit. We'll just do the song and then we're going to close. Open hands.
Let's all stand together now. I'm going to sing out loud together what embodied the words of that very last sentence, the doxology. If you lead us in that, Sam. Praise God from blessings God's people said, Amen. Amen. Happy New Year. Have a great week.